Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Belong Conversation podcast. In this episode, I have a conversation with the brilliant Abigail Rebecca, who was one of the guest coaches on our online BelongCon earlier this month. I got to know Abby through doing a course with her called Illuminated Leaders, which was focused on stepping up and finding the confidence to be more visible. And it was so brilliant. I met some truly incredible, inspiring women who I've now worked with and who've become firm friends. And spending an hour on a call with Abigail every week was just so great because she's such an empowering woman. In this episode, we are talking about showing off, which is something that Abby loves to help women do. In fact, she says helping brilliant women show off is her superpower. We spoke about so much, including how as kids, we both loved showing off, but as we got older and more self-conscious about other people's judgments, particularly in our teenage years and in our early twenties, we kind of stopped. And then we ended up living lives that just didn't feel like they were fully us. But in adulthood, we've both reclaimed our inner show-offs, embraced the side of ourselves that people once told us was too much. And these days, we're both pretty loud and proud about who we are. We also talk about Abby's upbringing as a Jehovah's Witness, her wild career as a holiday rep, and our lifelong love of musical theatre and so much more. We really didn't have a plan for this conversation or where it was going when we started, but it turned out to be great, and I really hope that you enjoy it. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the Belong Conversation. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on this sunny Sunday morning. Um, it would be great to start off by telling our listeners who you are and what you do. Yeah, so hi, Alice. My name And hi, everyone who's listening. Um, my name is Abby. I am the CEO um, of AbigailRebecca.com, and I'm the founder of Illuminated Leaders. Um, and I believe that the world needs more fully in empowered, fully expressed, wealthy women. So I empower um, female entrepreneurs to be really bold and courageous and highly visible so that they can really create an extraordinary successful business and live a really radiant life. And I, I guess, you know, if you were to ask, if I was a, if you were to ask what my superpower was, I'm really good at helping women show off. Perfect. And that is exactly what we are going to be talking about today, um, which I love. Like when you first spoke to me about what you do and you said that, that really resonated with me because I think the concept of showing off in the context of belonging is actually a really important one. So what, what does showing off mean to you when you say you help women to show off? What, what form does that take? I love that question. So for me, showing off has got no negative connotations at all, even though it often does. And for me, showing off, it just means really celebrating yourself, celebrating every single part of you and being really happy and confident and comfortable with every part of yourself and not being afraid of displaying that to the world. So that you start to, you know, if you look at it from a business sense, so the female entrepreneurs that I help, you know, from a business sense, that means that they're attracting amazing clients and actually repelling maybe clients that they don't particularly want to work with. Um, you know, really having a strong message, being very clear um, about their views and opinions and not being afraid to share it with the world. I love that. How do you like to show off? What's your favourite way to show off? 
Um, I like to show off through my clothes and jewellery. So I think that's something that we have a lot in common with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we've been, I've noticed we both like love like really like amazing statement necklaces. And so I wear, I, I like to wear like really big statement necklaces, um, rings, um, not, I don't wear bright clothes all of the time, but when I do, like I get, I, I love color. I love clothes. And also I really love to speak. I, I like just put me on stage and give me an audience. And I could, I am literally like my whole being just glows and radiates with all the joy and bliss in the world. Like I love to speak. I love to be on center stage, whether it's performing or not that I do a lot of that now. It's more like speaking. So whether I'm speaking or I'm teaching, like I love to be on a stage. So the spoken word and the way that I dress, I think are the biggest ways. I love that. And like, it's, it's interesting you talk about like the negative connotations. Cause I think definitely like as a kid, I was probably what you would call a massive show off. Like <laughs> I was so, I mean, as you can probably imagine, I was just this really kind of loud, bullshy, like <laughs> little kid. I always got called bossy, you know, and, and like told, you know, told to, you know, probably to like stop showing off quite a lot by people. And, and, you know, I used to always, you know, make up dance routines and want to show them to my parents and dance around the living room. And I loved acting and singing and, and it's interesting, like when I think back to how I was as a kid and then in my early teens and then kind of somewhere in my late teens, I think I kind of lost, lost that. And I went like really into myself probably up until about three years ago when I, you know, I almost feel like I found myself again. And then it's almost like my, my kind of confidence to show off came back and I dyed my hair pink and like threw out all my pastel clothes and started wearing like neon dinosaur jumpers and (laughs) but it's really interesting when I think back like what what it was that made me stop at that age I don't know if it was becoming like suddenly self-conscious do you can you pinpoint that have you ever been able to pinpoint it I'd say it was probably around the time I was like 16 or 17 like no maybe even earlier 15 16 like I I had um I had quite a lot of problems I've spoken about on the podcast quite a lot I had an eating disorder at the time and it was like a literal shrinking into myself and it took me you know probably about you know nearly another 15 years to kind of come out come out of the other side of that and feel like I was confident in who I was again. Um, and I guess it was probably just f- some like fear of judgment of other people started creeping in. Like, I don't know whether it's just at that age, you suddenly start to become aware of other people judging you or start to think that, that people are, are judging you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a phenomenon that's quite common amongst women there is a point where you know the kind of those the comments around like oh she's such a show-off or she's so bossy or she's you know she needs to tone it down like I think there's a point where those comments start to actually go in yeah I I think they do and it's it's interesting isn't it like just listening to your story 
I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of women's stories are the same. I can really relate to you. Mm. So um, I was very, uh, just very, very happy child and just really loved singing and dancing the same as you. Mm. So I'd literally like, my parents' friends would come round and I'd be putting shows on for them. I'd be like, look at me. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be, you know, doing a ballet show or, you know, there was always like singing and dancing. I grew up like watching musicals and I really wanted to be in musical theatre. Same. That's my one regret. <laughs> <laughs> me too, but I'm, <laughs> I wasn't talented enough. <laughs> I had all of the love and enthusiasm, like A for effort. <laughs> but just no no musical talent at all (laughs) well I well I don't I don't know whether I was that talented to be honest with you but yes I was constantly being told stop showing off be quiet I was the youngest out of three children by quite a bit um like nine and eleven years younger than my siblings I was being patted on the head quite a lot and being told Mm. they're there you know like your opinion doesn't matter Mm. um and also with my upbringing, I was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, um, where, you know, really it's difficult for women to have a voice, sort of mm-hmm. men rule the roost, really, really do. And, um, you know, I was brought up to be a very subservient, obedient wife and mother. That's how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even brought up to have a career or really to have a voice, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I think all of that kind of like embedded in me and then definitely at school I wouldn't say that I had a particularly hard time I wasn't bullied as such but I do think that every single person at school even the even like if you're really popular at school there's going to be a time where I think there's always a time in your life at school where something happens and it's a really horrible situation like you feel like you're being picked on you feel like really bad about something or somebody's like yeah, somebody's like taking away your power. So I remember at school really trying to be very outgoing and happy and confident and popular, very funny. I used to use humor to be popular because Mm. if you think about it, there's a lot of things at school that I could have been picked on. You know, I was trying to witness. I used to sit, I wasn't even allowed to go in assembly. I used to sit outside of assembly and they used to walk by me and all stare at me as they were going into assembly because assemblies and I don't know what it's like these days but in those days it was religious we used to sing mm. hymns so I wasn't allowed to go in there so I would have been really like I, I'd, I was seen as very different so I desperately tried to fit in mm-hmm. and if I look at all of my life I've desperately desperately tried to fit in um there were you know there were moments um I remember speaking to somebody about it the other day. I remember when I was 12 and I started my period and I, and I got picked on by other girls for starting my period. They were saying I was dirty. It was disgusting. And just little, just tiny little incidences like that just made me check myself. Like, Oh, I've got to be really careful. Like I can be this person, but I've got to be really aware about what other people think of me. Mm -hmm. So there was always that thing in the back of my head. Like if I'm too met, if I show off too much I'm going to get judged and of Mm. course yes bossy why do women get called bossy I mean it's just so ridiculous Mm -hmm. oh yes I've got a voice therefore I'm bossy you know so like little oh she's a bit like I remember that (laughs) parents friends used to say oh she's a bit bossy isn't she's a little madam and I would 
say that I was a particularly precocious, like child. I was just a normal child, just going out there and having fun and just wanting to, you know, really wanting to speak to people. I wasn't allowed to talk. I had to sit on the sofa and, and be quiet. I was always being told to be quiet by my father. And then at school, yes, those really negative, horrible phrases, like mm. she's a show off. Who does she think she is? Um, what, what the, oh, she thinks she's the bee's knees. You know, like all, all these horrible phrases that kind of stay with you. And I think now what makes it so liberating and free with me is that I've healed all of that. So um, I used to, when I was, just really quickly, I know I've been talking a lot, but when I was, um, when I was in my 20s, I went overseas and I was a holiday rep. So as part of that job, I used to be on a lot of stages. I was on microphones, leading bar crawls, booze cruisers. We used to do like cabarets. So I'd, I'd be like half naked. Like, you know, you can imagine what it's like on an 18 to 30 holiday, like with the holiday reps. I'd be there showing off, like singing, dancing, stripping, whatever it meant, like on stage. Mm. But I felt that all of that was to really, it was almost like a front because I wasn't actually that person. I think probably a lot of people that knew me at that time or thought they knew me at, at that time would have been quite shocked about who I was inside. It was like I was putting on a persona. Mm -hmm. So I was like fake. I was really fake. And then I went into corporate and again, I was fake. I wasn't that corporate successful person. And I feel now um, on this journey that I've had in this amazing journey of deep discovery and personal development and awakening and consciousness I feel like for the first time ever I can really be myself like mm. and, and be really proud to show off as myself not as a fake persona mm. and, that's and that's what I've helped women do yeah I mean there's there's so much in what you said and like, you know I think you're absolutely right in terms of what you know it was probably a similar turning point for me like I don't think I experienced like any any like bitchiness or bullying until I was about like 13 or 14 it was until I you know when I went to secondary school that I experienced for the first time that feeling of not not wanting to be different and not wanting to stand out um and I, I can't remember who said the quote I think it was Brené Brown but it's something like the opposite of belonging is fitting in and that's totally what I experienced and and I think that I think that's what happened I I tried to fit in and I changed myself and I shrunk myself. And then I went to sixth form college and then I like, I'd been like the, the biggest goody two shoes for my entire life. And then like, I like tried out being a rebel in sixth form and like started like smoking and listening to heavy metal music. Um, and then I went to uni and again, like just feeling this constant need to put on a persona. And, you know, I had the same experience like working in, like quite a large like corporate agency I felt like you know I was going I was standing you know people who know me now would not think I was this person you know like you, you know you, you talking about like the cruise ship stuff like for me it was wearing a suit and standing in front of reps from like massive finance and pharmaceutical companies telling them how they should spend their like million pound marketing budget <laughs> and it's like none of that felt like me like I look back and it literally feels like I was an outsider looking in on my life mm. it's really it's really like yeah really bizarre to to kind of think back to to that point where you know I'm I'm in a similar position to you now I actually feel pretty confident in in who I am and I like I like putting that out there and I enjoy putting that out there
And don't you feel when you do that as well, like the people that you attract into your life are like a completely different breed? Yes. So I, 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 I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs that feel that they have to behave in a certain way to be mm. an entrepreneur. Yeah. And they're not, they're just copying somebody else. So, mm. you know, as soon as you start copying somebody else, you're a diluted and poorer version of them. Mm-hmm. And actually you're being somebody that you're not meant to be. So, you know, the language, they're going on Facebook lives and, or maybe even speaking on stages, but the language that they're using that, and then, it's just not them. And then they're wondering why they're not creating success and why they're attracting in clients that are just a complete nightmare to work with. And they're unhappy and they're burnt out and, and nothing is like they're doing all this work and nothing is growing for them. And it's mm. because they're just, they're not being genuine and authentically themselves because they haven't really dealt with that part of themselves you know they don't want to show that part of themselves because they're worried about being judged or criticized or people leaving them mm-hmm. you know I had somebody on my retreat my last retreat and she's a very very successful entrepreneur very successful and she her fear is that if she gets even more successful people will leave her Mm-hmm. Like because all of her life she's experienced that you know she'll create success and then she'll grow and she'll transform and then people will leave her and she'll grow and she'll transform and people will leave her so I think there's a real fear there's a real deep down fear around you know um being um like just I guess being abandoned mm. you know yeah. being rejected because if you think about being rejected, like, you know, back in the dinosaur days, yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd lose all your protection. Yeah. Not that we were around when there were dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm aware of that. You know, in my head we were. Running around with little, you know, clubbing club dinosaurs. Um, but, you know, we'd, if we were rejected by the tribe, we'd lose food. Yeah. We wouldn't yeah. be protected. We'd lose warmth and we'd mm. die and I think that's built deep inside of us we just want to be like part of the tribe yeah. but actually actually what creates that success is when we're different mm. because if we can all the stuff that we've been trying to suppress when we like I think of all the things that I've been trying to suppress about myself now sets me apart yeah. And that's what makes people want to work with me, hang out with me, collaborate with me. You know, it just brings all the gorgeous things into my life because I am, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I, I set myself apart. Yeah. And I, I remember I was working with a coach once who said to me, um, if you wear your camouflage, then your tribe can't find you. Oh, that's such a good quote. I and, I, and I don't know where she got it from. If that was, you know, I don't know who said it first, but I absolutely love that. And it's like, it's so true. If you're not being yourself, then you, you can't attract the people into your life who are like you because they can't see you. Yeah. Um, and that's always, that's always really, really stuck with me. And the other interesting thing you said is about the whole like primal, like the primal thing. And I, again, I remember like reading this thing and I'm so rubbish at like remembering all these like nuggets of wisdom stick in my brain. I'm like, I don't know where they came from. (laughs) Just spout them out. But it was something around like our reaction to like being on stage and why you feel so nervous when you're on stage, because you're basically stood on your own in an empty space with a whole bunch of people looking at you. And in like, caveman days like that would have been like you are about to die and like that's what your brain 
tells you from an evolutionary perspective when you are with without cover with all these people looking at you it's like they're going to attack me yes but you could flip that over and be like well if you were the leader you would always also be in that so you'd be stand up and everybody True. would be looking at you so you're the leader of the tribe you're not going to get eaten oh i love that that might have to be my uh, my new like public speaking part of my ritual along with my like power pose where I put my arms in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I love a power pose. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind, mind talking about this, but going back to your kind of upbringing and yeah. you know what that was like. And then you mentioned kind of going to going from a Jehovah's witness upbringing to working on a, a cruise ship, you know, kind of, I'm really intrigued to know like what, what was that transition like? Like what, like how old were you when you were just like, hang on, I don't want to be in this anymore. And then how did you walk away from that? What, you know, what was that, what was that experience like? I think, um, I think my earliest memories, it it were really that it just didn't sit comfortably with me. And I didn't know I was so young, Mm. but it would be things like, um, we used to, so, we used to do a lot. I mean, the, the religion really is, is your life. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and uh, so we'd be at the, the, the equivalent to a church like three times a week. Um, and then there'd be like Bible studies. Um, and then of course going and knocking on doors, which I used to hate. Oh my goodness. I used to hate it. It was so, I, I just, I really, really didn't want to do it. And I used to get trying to use anything to get out of it anything I would lie I would lie through my teeth to try and get out of going and being dragged around and knocking on doors it was just so humiliating um and you know I remember like we used to go to the church on a Sunday afternoon and my mum would make some I don't know horrible (laughs) stew or something (laughs) and I'd be there like just trying to in my head like trying to make up up excuses not to go and like you know all of a sudden I've got stomachache or I don't feel very well so it's, it's always been there and then I think it's probably when I started to get maybe a little bit more independent in my head um so maybe about 13 maybe about that time 13 and you know I really like I had some amazing friends at school and I wasn't allowed to hang out with them after school. I just wasn't allowed to have them as friends. Um, I was only allowed to hang out with people that were Jehovah's Witnesses and there weren't many kids around my age. So it was very lonely. And I really, really wanted to sort of mix with people my age. I wanted to start going out. I wanted my independence and I wasn't allowed to do any of that. Uh, I just started to rebel a little bit. And then by the time I was 14, I said... Um, I just don't want to do it anymore. And to be honest with you, I think if it had been a few years before that, I would have had a bit of a battle on my hands. But at the time, my father, I believe now, was having a huge breakdown, huge, Um, because there'd been a lot of things in his life that he had suppressed all of his life and hadn't dealt with. And it just all came out and he had this big breakdown. Um, So... I guess, luckily for me, if I want to just take a chunk of that horrible situation and and shine it on me and my situation, um, I didn't really have to fight. I didn't, I, I was just allowed to do that. And then when I was 16, I left home. 
So I left home um, and um, originally I went to go and live in a hotel and I trained to be a chef. Um, and then, and then I left and then I left and, and, um, and then went to America and I trained to be a nursery nurse and went to work in America as a nanny. And then I got the travel bug and I was like, oh my goodness. But I, I, I went a bit crazy to be honest with you. I mean, I really did. I mean, this is the night before I left home, I had to be in at half seven at night and I was this 16 year old girl. Mm. Um, so I was very suppressed. Um, it was, you're very suppressed in that religion as a woman. You really are. Like you are a second, you are, you, your opinion is not taken into account. Men run the show. You're obedient to your husband. Um, and it's just, you know, it's really, it's, it's really, really demeaning and detrimental to the mental health of women. It really is. Um, so I just went crazy. I went crazy. I did everything and everyone (laughs) and I had a really good time (laughs) I went out I went crazy I went mad and then um it wasn't actually a cruise ship I was a holiday rep Mm. so I went and worked for a tour company and I worked like for about eight years and I used to do ski in the winter and like summer summer in the summer so I worked all over the world I worked in holiday resorts and I used to go out and help like just you know like do booze cruises and and um bar crawls and cabaret shows and party nights and just literally mm-hmm. my clientele were very young and you know all in the same boat like escaping from the parents and having a good time and new experiences and I just used to facilitate all their new experiences <laughs> <laughs> um and so if you look at it it's like I was like the it would would is the correct phrase like the antichrist I don't know is that <laughs> the right phrase yeah, he's literally going against everything that I've been taught up and everything that I've been brought up to be and I don't have a single regret and I look at those days as a really amazing springboard really for my life now but also um, a real healing process and a way to um, I realized that I wasn't very good at speaking to people my age I was really intimidated actually by people my age because I've been so used to hanging out with older people like my friends you know, my parents' friends were the people that I hung out with. So it really gave me the ability to be able to um, have cold conversations and keep, you know, keep the conversation going. Like I could, I dealt with the most incredible situations, you know, I've helped women give birth. I've had the stories. It's just because when you're a rat, like everybody goes on holiday, right? All the nice people and then all the nasty people, you deal with real situations. So all of that really, I think, then just gave me a really good rounded life experience and, you know, just like, what do I really want to do? Who am I? I really found who I was. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of horrible things that happen in holiday resorts. Yeah. There's, oh God, I can only imagine. But, you know, there's also, without focusing on the bad things, there's also, mm. you know, beautiful things. I've helped like people propose to, you know, their partners and lots of lovely celebrations but it was uh I mean it's sometimes I'll people will ask me what it was like to do that job and I sometimes I feel like I'm being a I don't know like a little bit over creative Mm. because you'll tell stories and then you're like did that really happen like honestly did it really happen but yeah it's uh 
it's a it's a really good life experience and you get to deal with people from all walks of life and all different situations you get screamed you get shouted at you get threatened you sometimes get physically you know punched or whatever because people aren't happier with the holiday um and then but then you get to be by the beach every day and yeah you know it's just a it's a lovely like you get free things I didn't used to have to pay for anything I mean you know I never had to queue I used to come I came back to the UK I was like what's a queue you know because I'd literally like walk into the club my favorite drink would be there that, you're like a VIP it's an amazing lifestyle but it's not the real world no <laughs> you're no. living in a bubble so it's another bubble that you've created and yeah. it's a persona that you've created for yourself and like did you did you have any like you know obviously like literally going from one extreme to the other like did you have any fear around that or were you just so ready that you just threw yourself into it it's a really good question um I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily now what was the feeling I don't know if it was fear I never ever woke up ever and thought oh I've got to go to work today like I was so excited about every day but there were some situations that weren't nice to deal with Mm. you know like I remember um I remember millennium so so nine so new year 2000 every single hotel doubled the prices so Mm. people paid more for their holidays so of course they expected more Mm. um and I was I was working in a like a three-star all-inclusive Spanish hotel you know chips for breakfast you know mm-hmm. and um and these people had come over and expected I think some luxurious hotel and they didn't get it and um I was at the I was at the airport with my manager and my colleague that I worked with was locked in our office by the, they basically took her they took her hostage they wouldn't let her out of the office they forced her in the the office and so she phoned and said I'm in the office I'm stuck in the office go like come and help me so we went over there and these people were screaming and shouting threatening us I mean it was an angry mob and there was one woman who sat on my desk for four hours and refused to move until I moved her to another hotel Whoa. So you just deal with people that were very, very angry. But if you think about it, Alice, you know, these people were working hard for their money and they, you know, these were people potentially that had saved up all year for their holiday. You know, they were very stressed. You could tell they were very unhappy in their lives and very stressed. And this was their escape. So they would escape to the Seine for one, two weeks. They saved up all their life and, or their, you know, the whole year. And then, you know, they, they were unhappy with their holiday in their room or whatever it might be. And then who do they take their anger out? Well, they take their anger out on us. So you, you got to be very used to it, actually, and very thick-skinned. I was used mm. to being screamed and shouted at a lot. And it was just part and parcel of the job. And it still happens now. I mean, people still get very angry about their holidays. I mean, mm. I can't even imagine what it must be like dealing with a crisis. You know, if I think about all those amazing people that are over, like in Tunisia, for example, when all of that horrible stuff happened in Tunisia, like what they must have dealt with. It's just, I've, I've got utmost respect for anybody that kind of works like, you know, in the real customer facing. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. deal with all the, you know, you deal with all the abuse. 
And you like you've spoken about some like pretty horrific experiences in such a calm way. I mean, what I mean, did you feel that calm at the time when this was going on, or is this something that you've just processed? Uh yeah, I think I had to feel calm at the time because you because you're there doing a job. You know, like it, I used to manage cabin crew, like what they go like and and you know if there is an if there is a crisis on board they're just like literally like they switch into their training mode they're very well trained they deal with it whatever it might be and then I was their manager so Mm. I would be the person that would be dealing with the aftershock like Mm. I'd be there making sure they were supported they had counseling they were dealing with that you know what would be a very scary situation you mm-hmm. deal with it you deal with it in the present moment and then you and then you deal with yourself afterwards yeah so, you know some of the stuff that I was dealing with was really very traumatic mm. um, but I was there I had a role to play and I was there and I was there to make sure that the situation was handled in the appropriate way that you know the clients that were directly impacted had support the other clients you know there were situations sometimes where you know people died or committed suicide or whatever in the hotel so mm. you then have to make sure that all the other all the other customers were, were fine and mm. had the support that they needed and then you'd then go and get your help whatever that might be so I had a lot of support with the with the company you know there were there are companies out there that deal with that they'll they'll literally fly people over if mm. needed to support you and help you mm. um but yeah but a lot of the t- but you know what that's done for me like I, like every situation whether it was really amazing or just really quite very disturbing um that has that has just equipped me so well in Mm. my life now because I just I just think oh my goodness like nothing can be as bad as that like I've literally been through and that has really helped me become an entrepreneur you know Mm. it really has like that scary like because you know I'm always talking about push yourself out of your comfort zone like you can't grow in your comfort zone so it's like you have to be really scared out of your mind scared every single day because that's where you grow but I always think oh my like nothing will ever be as bad as that and if it is I know I can deal with it it really gives you such great resilience and I think you know in order to grow a business and run a business and you know to be a business owner in any industry that's what you need you need resilience you need to be able to get through the bad times the scary times and that's what it's taught me so I'm so grateful it's like the best training I could have ever had yeah that's interesting because my next my next question was going to be what like how do you think that all of that experience has shaped what you do now in terms of how you work with people and how you support people I mean do you think that that whole experience is 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 what led you to to doing what you do now yeah when I when I left corporate four years ago I tried to just like forget everything that I'd done and start afresh Mm -hmm. So I'd forgotten about all the things that I'd learned in my corporate career, like, you know, when I was overseas, my upbringing, everything. Mm. It was almost like I was trying to shut a door on it and close Mm. the lid on that and then do something completely new. And I realized with working with amazing coaches and, you know, being in a really supportive community and being in incredible masterminds with a lot of amazing mentors, that actually that's what that 
that's where my superpowers lie. So all my experiences have shaped me and carved out what I'm doing now. And I think what it does is, um, first of all, it really helps me be compassionate. In fact, you know, I feel like I can be really compassionate to people's situations. Um, and, but also really stand for people. Like, I don't believe people's stories. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe them. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody comes up with an excuse for not doing something, I don't, I just don't, I don't feed into that. I'm like, it's rubbish. Mm-hmm. It's like a load of rubbish. Like you're just making excuses because you're scared about creating success or like whatever it is that you're scared of. These are the excuses. So it really helps me stand for people and if I'm working with women and I'm helping them go through transformation I have to be like that because if I feed into their insecurities and their excuses I'm just enabling them Mm. and I don't do that I don't enable them so I'm like I'm standing for you in your big vision come on like I know you're scared I know that you know you've got some resistance but let's fight through that so it's made me a much better leader and it's also I think it's just uh, help me be less worried about situations, you know, a uh, crisis like this, like I'm not taking away anything that is, ha- so as we're obviously talking, we're still in isolation and I'm not taking anything away from this situation. I know it's really scary and disruptive and just like, like nothing that we've ever experienced before, but, I, I've realized how good I am in times like this. I'm really good in crisis. I used to, when I worked in corporate, I worked for, I worked in travel. So I used to work for airlines and travel companies. I was one of the crisis managers. I used to manage crisis. I'm really good in a crisis and I'm really good at leading people through change. So actually, you know, my choice within this time is to stand up and be a leader in my community. So I'm like, right, okay, what can I do to help to support other women in this time to really um, help them go through transition and change and to use this period of time not to be fearful, to actually stand up and do something and to use this time creatively and to make a difference in the world. And that's what I've done. You know, I've launched a program right at the very beginning. I'm now going into another program that starts in a couple of weeks time. I've been able to do that. And that my resilience in the time of crisis and my mindset in a situation that's really scary, I've got all of that from all the training that I've done all through my life. And for that, I'm forever ever grateful i'm grateful to my parents i'm grateful to every single man in that congregation that told me every day of my life that i was inferior to a man and that only all i was good for was to be a wife and mother i'm grateful for every single customer who threatened to punch me (laughs) or you know who gave me a hard time or gave me an amazing time when I was overseas and all the all my managers everybody that supported me and trained me and I I'm grateful for every single person within my organization in corporate who shaped me like that touched me who really made me who I am and all the coaches that have come from that I'm grateful to every single person in my life because they have shaped me to be the person that I am. And I'm now doing something that just, 
feel makes me happy every single day like I am helping other women build their dreams and for me that's like the biggest gift that I can do and the best life that I can have and I'm going to look back on my life and I'm just going to like be dying very very happy that just feels like the perfect kind of way to bring this conversation to a close so before we before we wrap up is there is there anything that you would say to someone kind of listening listening to this conversation who is thinking like I really want to be more visible in who I am I want to you know I want to show off but I'm really scared like what is something you know if there's one thing they could do <laughs> it's really a really hard question what would you say <laughs> just one thing just one thing um, or three whatever <laughs> okay so <laughs> So I would say if somebody is listening to this and uh, like you said, first of all, like really start to look in, like be inquisitive and start to look in why is it that you're, why, what are you scared of being visible? Like, why is that? So really sort of get down and do some development work around yourself on that because you need to understand why before you can break through that. Um, Get some support with that whatever it might be, just get some support with it and, and invest in yourself and get in support. And then the third one is just like surround yourself with communities of people that have got your back and will support you on that journey. Like you can't do this on your own. So really have a, just an amazing community of people around you that will support you in showing off. Um, and then you can go out there and really like, understand what the blocks are, overcome it, and just be like your authentic self when you're showing off. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I did, and that's what I help people with, and that's what I say that, you know, you should do too. It's, uh, it's the best feeling in the world when you're like, just like being in your power and just being there without any worries, without any worries at all. It's lovely. Amazing. And where, if, if people love what you have to say, I know you put loads of like videos and stuff up online. So like, where can people find and connect with you? Yeah. So the first place that they can find me is um, abigarebecca.com. That's my website. And actually, if you go onto my website, right on the front page, you'll see that there's a free gift. You can download that. And that's like a step-by-step process. It's the things that I use to really work with my clients around, you know, first steps to really um, be invisible. Um, And then I love to hang out on social media. I love Instagram and Facebook. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Illuminated Leaders because that's the name of my community. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I could literally sit and talk to you all day. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for your time this morning. And um, yeah, thanks for joining the Balloon Conversation. It's been great to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You will find links to connect with Abby online, as well as some more information about her and the work that she does in the show notes. 
To keep updated about future podcast episodes, our upcoming events, our new blog posts and more, you can follow us at BelongCon on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you stumbled upon this episode and want to find out more about us, then you can head on over to belongcon.com where you'll find our story, how we started, some videos of our past speakers at our events, as well as all of our past podcast episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please do check out our previous 21 conversations and please subscribe and rate and review wherever you're listening, whether that's SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or anywhere else, because this helps other people to find these conversations. This episode was hosted by me, Alice Reeves, and produced by Elijah Pitt.